0: Hello and welcome to the Uncensored Wellness Podcast with your host, Sophie Louise. I'm a sexual empowerment coach here to support you in the area of wellness that is too often left off the table, your sexuality. We'll explore how your sexuality is so intertwined with every aspect of your life and how you can bring in more pleasure on the daily. Now let's get into it. All right, all right! Mm, Welcome back my loves! Today we are going to just dive straight into talking about sex myths. So the key false things that I hear being said about sex that just frustrates me. It frustrates me that this knowledge isn't more accessible that there is so much misinformation out there about sex and it's nobody's fault, it's no individual's fault that there is all of this misinformation being spread around. But we have the opportunity to do research, to listen to this podcast episode, to read books and find out the truth because there is so much power in knowing what the truth is is. And it's one of the reasons why there's so much shame around sex and there's so much shame around female sexuality is some of these myths that I'm going to share with you today, the the biggest ones that just really get me going, okay? And so I am going to focus on myths that exist around female sexuality today, but of course this information is so valuable for every single person in the world to hear. And we're going to start with my favorite favorite piece of information to share, um, and it's just it's just one that is so hidden away yet has been known for so long. There's been so much research done on this, and so this myth sits around the idea that a woman's pussy or a person's pussy will get wet when they are aroused. We have this assumed correlation between how wet a pussy is and how ready for sex that person is. And if you're not wet, you don't want sex. You're not ready for sex. You're not aroused. You don't desire this person. And because that belief is so entrenched, uh, it leads to this this occurrence that if your partner's pussy isn't wet, maybe you feel self-conscious you feel like you've done something wrong they don't want to have sex with you they don't find you attractive all of these beliefs that come from this myth this assumed correlation between this genital arousal right the the witness the self-lubrication and the subjective arousal right where you would ask this person how aroused they are and they would answer that with their lived experience their own truth And the reality of this is that there's this concept called arousal non-concordance that occurs between this genital arousal and this subjective arousal. Now concordance would be like being in harmony, whereas non-concordance means that there is this difference between genital arousal and subjective arousal. And for people with pussies there's a really significant difference between how your genitals respond and how your brain responds. In men, there's a relative amount of similarity here. So for men, there's about a 50% correlation between what their genitals are doing, so having an erection would be the most common thing, and what their mind is doing, how they're feeling. So how, how aroused they actually are. That's a 50% correlation there, which is really statistically significant. But when it comes to people with pussies, this correlation sits at 10%. There is a 10% overlap between your arousal and how wet your pussy is. And that is such a low number Yet it's so entrenched within us that we believe that if you have a wet pussy, you're aroused. If you don't have a wet pussy, you're not aroused. And that comes from, you know, songs like Wet Ass Pussy. It's so entrenched that, that having a wet ass pussy is good, is desirable. And then people feel ashamed around using lube because, again, that that seems to communicate to your partner that you're not wet enough, therefore you're not aroused enough, you don't want sex, you don't find them attractive, right? All of these these beliefs that just flow on from each other in this never-ending snowball. So it's really important to understand the truth here, to listen to the science around arousal non-concordance. So you can't trust someone's genitals to tell you how much they want sex. So what, what can you trust? And I've had people ask me this question before. Well, how do I know whether my partner is aroused? And the number one answer, the number one thing that you should always rely on above anything else by a long shot is your partner's words. Ask your partner whether they're aroused. Ask your partner whether they want to have sex, whether they're ready for penetration. Don't rely on their body to communicate for them. Your partner has a mouth and they can speak for themselves. And, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this so many times. We all need more communication in sex. So let this be a beautiful opportunity to bring in more communication, to to encourage yourself to ask these questions, to check in with your partner, and therefore to create this beautiful collaborative experience where you're both checking in with each other, you're both sharing your experiences and what would add to this experience. Okay, so that's myth number one, the myth that a woman's pussy will get wet when she is aroused, and in fact, no, not true. Arousal non-concordance is a thing. Okay. Myth number two is that females want sex less and enjoy sex less than males. Females are less sexual beings, right? We've probably all heard that in some form or another, and that gets exacerbated When it comes to older women, particularly women in menopause or past the point of menopause, and mums, right? So often in in movies, it's like the mum, as soon as she has a baby, she doesn't want sex anymore. She doesn't like sex anymore. And all of this is so untrue. It is such a false generalization. And you know something that does really play into this is the cultural factors, the societal beliefs that women pick up throughout their life. And so there has been research done into the fact that in cultures where, where female sexuality has not been shamed, females show equal interest in sex to what males show. So biologically, there is this equal interest in being sexual. Biologically, right? Deep at the core of our being. So when you can move through the shame that society has put upon you in terms of your sexual expression, I just love seeing women just open up in this most incredible way to feel more aroused, to feel open to talking about sex more, to loving their bodies more and being able to leave this like societal oppression in the past. And even, even in places where this cultural stigma is so present, females are still so sexual. Right. We see so many cultures go to such lengths to control female sexuality and it does not work. Cultures where you can be stoned for having sex with someone who's not your husband, you know, before you're married and it still happens. There's so much effort that goes into this repression. There's been things, you know, still happening in the world, like genital mutilation. The, you know, endless lists of insults that exist solely around being sexually open. Calling people a slut, calling people a whore, so that they will keep their sexuality locked up tight inside of a box. We pathologize female sexuality in the past there's been so many diagnoses of being a nymphomaniac or being hysterical there's been the witch burning chastity belts all of these things where society has put in so much time and effort to repress female sexuality that really just shows us that it is present if it needs to be repressed it must exist in the first place and it exists at an even you know it's 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 just as present within women as it is within men. So no, females do not want sex less or enjoy sex less than males. And I know that from my own personal experience as well. I've had partners for whom I have enjoyed sex more than them or I have wanted sex more frequently than them. I've also had it the other way around but it really just shows us that this is a very individual thing. That we can't generalize it and that there's so many cultural narratives that really impact what we feel like we can do with our bodies oh okay all right myth number three the myth that females are broken if they take a while to get aroused or if they don't often get aroused so this kind of comes In stark opposition to the last point that I made and that is the thing about myths about about ideologies about these these false narratives that exist is that they so often don't make sense so at the same time we have this idea that oh yeah well females females don't really want sex females don't really enjoy sex and then at the same time if you're with a partner Females so often feel like they are broken or like they're not normal if they, if, they have, um, you know, if they don't get aroused that often, if they don't get aroused as quickly as their partner. And what is at play here is that actually arousal just occurs differently within different genders so 75% of penis owners experience what's called spontaneous desire so like this instant arousal this instant desire to have sex because they saw someone who looked sexy or they watched a sex scene in a movie and just like that they want sex right and because this is the case for the majority of penis owners this becomes seen as normal Because we we've come to believe that male sexuality is the default, that male sexuality is what is normal, and anything outside of that is abnormal, needs to, needs to fit into the box that is male sexuality. So we have 75% of penis owners who experience spontaneous desire. And we have 15% five percent of vagina owners who experience spontaneous desire. So not all that many people with vaginas get aroused that quickly. What is more likely is that they will have uh, responsive desire. Which is when desire takes some time to occur. When your partner is running their fingers up your arm or massaging your back and you can slowly feel that desire build in response to what is happening. And because, again, because this isn't what is most common for penis owners, it gets seen as being wrong. That it shouldn't take you that long to get turned on. So, so many Women don't even explore the fact that maybe they need that foreplay to exist. And it doesn't even need to be explicitly sexual foreplay. It could be a very platonic massage that you're receiving or having a shower together, something delicious like that, to allow that desire to build over time to the point where you just cannot wait to have sex. Now, in reality, what is most common for vagina owners is called context-dependent arousal. So your arousal is more dependent on the context, right? On your emotional context, your physical context, what's going on at work, what the kids are doing, how clean your space is, how frustrated you are with your partner at the moment than anything else. And that can be a really beautiful thing to come to understand so that you can learn what is the context that works best for you. It won't just be one context. What are the contexts that work best for you? And so it can be a great invitation to think about what was a time when you had incredible, incredible sex. You were just so turned on, everything just fit into place and it took no effort. You were just so present and enjoying this experience. And what was the context of that? What was going on around you? Where were you? Who were you with? What kind of conversations led up to that? What was your day like before that? How stressed were you feeling? And vice versa, what are the things that put the brakes on for you? What are the things that stop you from being able to enjoy sex? Consider what is your context, your ideal context. Okay, moving on to a big one. Oh, virginity. Oh my God, there are so many myths around losing your virginity. And so I'm going to kind of encapsulate it all in one sentence. The myth around virginity is that losing your virginity is a process whereby you become less pure and less desirable. And you will bleed, feel pain, and your hymen will break once and all all. None of that is true. And these are the ideas that I know that I believed so strongly. I never would have even considered that this was not true when I was younger and when I first lost my virginity. Losing your virginity was like going around a corner that you can never go back. You are a completely changed person your body is changed your mind is changed you you know everything is different from that point forth it's this huge like marker in your life and and people will still talk about it in that way you know it's so common to ask people when did you lose your virginity tell me about your first time what was your first time like <sighs> And we really do believe as a society that you lose some of your value as a woman when you first have sex. That you're kind of taking something away from future partners because you can't give them that first time if you've already had it. And that's theirs, right? It's not, it's not for you. It's for future partners. It's for your husband. You know, wh- whatever your your beliefs are. And there's also this belief that your first time should be amazing. And oh my God, that is so far from the truth. You know, you don't go to play nipple for the first time and be like, Oh, I'm going to be incredible. I'm going to amaze Everyone, my skills are going to be top notch. You know, I've never done this before, but oh, I am going to win this game by so much. No, sex is a skill like everything else. And it takes time to build up this skill set to know what you're doing, to know what feels good for you, what feels good for other people, to know how to move your body and how to feel comfortable in your own body doing something that is so novel and so different. And what I've heard being said recently is this reframe from referring to it as losing your virginity to having your sexual debut. And I love that because it, it, it comes with this understanding that that it's this this experience is going to grow that this is just one piece of the puzzle and there's so much more to come after that this is you like peeking your head out of the cupboard and saying i'm here and that you're going to slowly step your whole body out and really come to you know memorize your lines step into your confidence Mm. And I, yeah, I just, I love that term. So that is there as an invitation to use that rather than speaking about virginity, speaking about having your sexual debut. Okay, now let's talk about the hymen because that comes into this myth in a big way. So first of all, there's this understanding that having sex for the first time is going to be painful and you're going to bleed, now actually it is not common for your hymen to bleed when you first have sex this is much more likely going to be due to a lack of lubrication and it kind of circles around quite nicely to what i was speaking about earlier we don't think that we're going to need lubrication this myth is so Um, entrenched that we think that you know I, I want to have sex therefore my body will create enough lubrication that I won't need to source that externally and we can see here how harmful that myth is when so many young people are having sex and it is hurting and they are bleeding when they don't need to be and what is also not happening here is your hymen is not going to break and disappear forever after the first time that you have sex. Your hymen does not work like that. It may tear or bruise during sex, particularly if your hymen is not used to being stretched, but it will heal. Your hymen, like every other part of your body, will heal by itself up until the point of around age 25 and that's when your hymen is likely going to atrophy so get less visible and eventually disappear, regardless of your sexual activity. So if you're under 25 you likely still have your hymen. It looks different on almost every single vagina. Uh, it might be more visible. It might have holes in it. It might be smaller. There's a whole range of different ways that it looks. But yeah, oh, it's just so good to have this information about what a hymen actually is. And then it shouldn't hurt when you first have sex. That your hymen doesn't break once and for all when you have sex. And that losing your virginity is not a process Where you become less pure as a woman. You become less desirable, less respected. No. Okay. And our final myth for the day is that a woman's vagina becomes, or sorry, a person's vagina becomes looser with the more sex that she has. he oh, she's got to take a deep breath after saying that. Even just saying it is so uh, uncomfortable, is so frustrating that we have this idea. And this really comes from this narrative that the more sex a woman has, the less desirable she is. The more sex a woman has, the less, you know, it feels less good for her partner. She is, again, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of taking away from her partner's experience because of her own sexual history. Now, sex does not cause permanent changes in how tight a vagina is. Does not cause permanent changes. What will happen is that as you become more sexually aroused, your vagina will temporarily become looser right because the the goal of our of of humans is to reproduce so if you have a really tight vagina it's going to be hard for a penis to enter into you to ejaculate into you and for you to be able to reproduce your body naturally opens up as you get aroused and then what will happen as that arousal fades off, is that your vagina will naturally tighten again. So there's this ongoing loosening and tightening that is occurring. And that just occurs through the natural elasticity of your body. It doesn't mean that the more times you get aroused, the less tight... um, Uh, sort of baseline it will go to. It doesn't change that baseline tightness. What can change your baseline tightness, right? How tight your vagina is, is getting older. So as you, as your estrogen levels decrease throughout your life, that can impact how tight your vagina is. And also potentially, not always, Having children can change how tight your vagina is. But this depends on a whole number of factors. If you are 20 years old and you have a child, it is very likely that your, um, your tightness will return to its previous state, maybe about six months after having a child. If you're older, if you've had multiple children, uh, if you're not doing pelvic floor exercises, and if some form of physical trauma occurs while you're giving birth, then your vagina may become more loose. That laxity or looseness may occur uh, in a more permanent way. But it's not as black and white as people say it is. It's not if you've had one child, oh, your vagina is ruined. God, no, that is so far from the truth. And what I think is really good to consider here. Is that actually it is much more harmful to have a really tight vagina than to have a loose vagina. If you have a really tight vagina, which may be because of a number of different health conditions, this can cause a lot of pain during sex for the vagina owner. And, you know, is having a tight vagina worth not enjoying sex? I don't think so. We also don't aspire to have tight muscles in any other part of our body. We understand that tight muscles are uncomfortable, are painful, right? So why is it that when it comes to pussies, we suddenly just leave that understanding at the door and and completely change what we believe? So no, a woman's vagina does not become less tight with the more sex that she has. Oh, Okay, that was our last big myth. And I want to finish off by sharing some things that you sent to me on my Instagram when I asked you what are the most harmful sex myths that you have believed in your life, that you have heard in your life. And what was really interesting was that these are all so similar. These all come under this idea that a female's sexuality is a less impression, sorry, is a less impressive version of male sexuality, or it's less important than male sexuality and male pleasure. So the myths that you sent in were along the lines of that the female orgasm is hard to achieve, that your partner is doing you a favor if they provide you with an orgasm and that the female orgasm matters less than the male orgasm during sex. You said that you'd heard that sex ends when the penis owner orgasms, right? Again, it doesn't doesn't matter whether the female orgasms. And finally, that the focus during sex is not on female pleasure, right? These are all so interconnected in this idea that female pleasure is less important than male pleasure and I feel like I don't even have to speak about this for long like deep down we all know that this is not true we know that everyone's pleasure is equal there is no pleasure hierarchy here No matter what your gender or your sexual orientation, no matter what your body looks like, no matter how old you are, none of that, everybody's pleasure is equal. We know that. And yet deep down when we hear these messages again and again and again, yes, it is easy to come to believe, even if it's at a subconscious level, that your pleasure is less important than that of other people. And that's when we see things like performative sex, like faking orgasms, like, you know, um, sacrificing your own orgasm. The amount of times that I myself have had partners who have, you know, we've been having sex and they've orgasmed and they've just assumed that that is over. And I've had to say to them, you know, would you like to do this to me to help me to orgasm or, you know, and, and really reiterating that. That sex isn't just about the penis owner. And that's what it kind of takes. We need to reiterate that belief to other people and to ourselves to change these ideas. To change the beliefs that exist around sexuality. And that's why I was so passionate about doing this episode. This is one that I've wanted to do for a long time. Because as I said at the start, there are so many harmful beliefs around sexuality that need to be brought to light so that we can see that they're not true. So that we can see that there is more to sexuality than what we've been led to believe and that it gets to be a really expansive experience. Okay, that is all from me today. But I hope that you absolutely loved that episode and I will see you back next week. I have something really exciting coming out in just two days from when this episode is released. So keep an eye out on my Instagram page, which is at Uncensored Wellness with an extra S at the end. And I can't wait to talk again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Wellness podcast. I'm so honored to have you here as a listener and I'm celebrating your dedication to reclaiming your right to pleasure through engaging with this work. I would really appreciate you leaving this podcast a review and sharing your favorite episode with those in your life who you think would benefit from this. If you want to learn more, you can find me through my website, www.uncensoredwellness.com or through Instagram at uncensoredwellness wellness with an extra s at the end feel free to reach out through either of these platforms and let me know your thoughts on this episode and whether you want me to cover any specific topics in the future i can't wait to see you next time have a beautiful day